Hello and welcome to the Press Start Podcast, Press Start Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, Ewan, joined today by my fellow gamers and co-hosts, Kieran. Hello. Are you messing with me, Kieran? Shannon. Hello. James. Hello. And Brody. Hello. Hello, excellent. A little bit of a delay on Brody, but that's that's fine. We're A-OK. Um, on the show today, we're going to be discussing our review of the role-playing musical game Stray Gods. Briefly touch on the Pokemon Presents that happened in the week. Uh, Nintendo patenting some game mechanics and Red Dead reappearing. But first, Shannon, how was the Gran Turismo movie? Um, I didn't mind it. Like, obviously I went in with no expectations. Um, yeah, but it was shot really nicely. It was definitely naff in points, mainly the earlier bits with like some very gamified, like achievement unlocked type stuff. But, um, as a whole, it was a cool retelling, a retelling of a cool story, like definitely fictionalized a little bit to fit into a movie. But yeah, I thought it was okay. Maybe a little bit long, but for what it was. Decent. Yeah, I guess it's worth noting it's not so much like about Gran Turismo the game. It's actually kind of more of the true story of someone that was a like a fan of the game that won a competition to become a pro racer. Yeah, in career. And it's a really, right? really, yeah, really cool story of yeah how he went into actually do quite well. And um, yeah, I think as a as a film and a property like PlayStation would be chaffed right because like I guess they originally set out to make it the ultimate simulator, and that is mm. um, a decent result and testament to that. But yeah, I don't think you need to rush out to the movies to see it. But definitely if you're like a PlayStation fan or a racing fan or just an action fan, like I'd chuck it on when it comes to streaming for sure. Yeah. Did you see it as well, Kieran? I did, yeah. I um I yeah, like like Shen, I liked it more than I was expecting. Okay. Um and yeah, like there's there's a lot of stuff like after seeing it, I kind of like had a quick Google and look at like the similarities to the actual story and like it was surprisingly like close to what actually happened in terms of like the characters and their backgrounds and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Sounds like it's been a surprisingly good year for video game adaptations. Not to say that this is necessarily one again, but like we had the last of us HBO series and I'm seeing like some people surprisingly up on, uh, twisted metal and that seemingly doing quite well for Peacock and, I would guess the stand is the equivalent here. I, I don't know how many Australians are watching it necessarily, but PlayStation there you just go. taking Surprising. over every medium by storm. <laughs> if only the Halo TV show is the same. Um, Brody, I'm going to come your way now and quiz you of your review on Stray Gods. Uh, this is the the musical uh, role playing game made here in Australia. Very cool that it is now out there. What is, is it out now? Have I got that right, or is you've just is the game out? It should be now, yeah. Uh, yes, Put me on cool. the spot. Excellent. Yeah, I think it maybe came out today. <laughs> it's it's funny when you get yeah. the codes ahead of time. It's like, when does this game actually come out again? You sometimes forget. Um, all right. Firstly, though, what did you enjoy about the game? So the things I liked about it, like, obviously, for anyone that's followed the game, like, they would know that it's written by uh, David Gator, who um, has been in the industry for a while and has cut his teeth on games, like, by Bioware, usually as the lead writer. So in that sense, I feel like a lot of that has translated. I think like um, the writing and the dialogue and all that sort of stuff is is probably the game's strength for mine and the characters. Um, but it's got a nice, uh, nicely diverse cast, and there's a lot of representation through that, which I think is is a good thing. Um, and I like the setting a lot. It's pretty much everywhere else, and like the gamey elements of it that I didn't vibe with quite so much. Um, like for a musical. Um, 
the songs aren't good. Like there's probably one song that was even remotely maybe catchy and it's the one that they are using for all, you know, the promotion and stuff like that. Um, there is a bit of a noticeable uh, gap between the best singers and the worst singers. Like there is probably uh, the worst five minutes of the game is the five minutes where Rahul Kohli uh, gets to sing a song and it's 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 something that you need to see to be believed. Um, and yeah, I, I guess, and just like the UI in general, um, it didn't really appeal to me too much. Like the, the game is really nice and like it's really nicely animated, but like all the interstitial stuff between scenes where it like pumps you into this little, little overworld uh, area to like drift between things like it sort of was unnecessary i think they could have done it a bit more elegantly but i'm aware it is a small team so like that may be a harsh critique but um like all in all i think it's it was a it was a brave swing it was a bold swing to uh make a game so different and unique uh for your first game and i think like it it did achieve some good things but i think in terms of being a and like uh, as a musical like it, it worked and like the fact that there's replayability in the song's depending on what tone you choose and stuff like that, that, that is cool. It's just like, I don't think the songwriting itself was, um, you know, up to scratch and it's just didn't strike me as memorable in the end. I must admit that's a little disappointing to hear. I can't sound like the biggest, um, the biggest like uh, musical fan. I, although I do really enjoy going to the theater when, and seeing it live whenever I get the chance. Um, but I feel like for this to really, appeal to me uh it would have had to have um not necessarily set the world on fire but like had a really compelling story and a really kind of polished execution of it all to really grab me and demand my attention um that being said it i still get the sense that for like theater for musical kind of diehards for kind of fans of the cast members. There's probably still a lot to love. Kieran, I know this is a game you've been really excited for. Has Brody's opinion on it swayed you in any way, or are you just equally as excited for it still? I um I actually have had a had a chance to have a sneaky playthrough as well. Um so pretty much like yeah Brody when I've obviously been chatting about it uh, before the review went out, um, I, I'm pretty much on the same same level. Like, there's there's a lot of really cool stuff. It's like mostly in the narrative and the characters and and a lot of the art. Um, but yeah, like for a musical, you really you really do want those songs to kind of stick with you after you after you're done. Mm. And there's like very few tracks that do. And like the the whole concept of being able to like make narrative choices like Telltale style, but while a song's playing and kind of like affect how it flows and and the tone of the music and stuff like on the fly is really, really cool, but it just feels like they stretch themselves a bit too thin in that regard Mm. and don't really have like, you know, there's all these different paths that a song can take, but none of them are like, yeah, overly compelling or or memorable. Um, But like, I still, I still enjoyed it. Um, Like the setting is really cool. I think there's a lot. Yeah. Like Brady said, there's a lot that people are going to get out of it and like in it. Mm. Um, It's just like, yeah, it's ambitious. I yeah. feel you can feel it when you're playing it. That is, yeah. that they they really they really did try, and it's a serious undertaking. Like not only making a game with like branching narrative, but put music to it and like essentially write an album, if not more worth of content uh, with kind of memorable, kind of catchy songs from that. That yes, as you said, stick around the after playing the game in the same way that your favorite musical on stage or on screen might. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an ambitious undertaking, but hopefully, 
you know, if they're a little down on the reaction towards this first foray, it doesn't kind of sway them in pursuing it again, should it be a genre um, that they want to have another crack at. Um, very cool. Mm. Uh, well, I'm eager to talk about the Pokemon Presents now, um, which we admittedly held the episode a little bit for to see what kind of news came out of this. And unfortunately, it was not an awful lot, but here we are now. Let's talk about it anyhow. Um, Amongst updates to the Pokemon mobile games, new content for Pokemon Go, news on some animated shows, um, we got a trailer for Detective Pikachu, and it was revealed that Mew and Mewtwo are on their way to Pokemon Scarlet and Violet along with the first expansion uh, in September. I think Mew is out now in the game, but Mewtwo is coming a little bit later, and there's so. some events kind of in-game in the lead-up to it. Um, James, what was your reaction to this Pokemon Presents? Were you hoping for more, or was there a sufficient amount in here for you to care about it? Hmm... Nah, I didn't like none of this grabbed me obviously and i feel like um i actually i yeah i it kind of reminded me of how out of touch i am with pokemon now like i actually thought the dlc for scarlet and violet was already out so um to discover that you know they detailed all that was like cool but i thought that was already out yeah um it had been shown prior to this right just not kind of yeah it has detailed like we had names and stuff yeah. yeah not 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 as much detail um yeah. yeah i pokemon the pokemon presents presentations are always kind of shit i've decided and like i don't know if i will look forward to a future one at this stage yeah there's only like, one good saving thing where this didn't really have yeah that at all. there just wasn't really anything here um which is a shame but um i'm sure there's something for someone in there. <laughs> I feel like it's definitely one for like kind of Pokemon diehards. Like if you're yeah. interested in Pokemon beyond the games, like maybe I just you feel like there's so, much, so much buzz about this stuff, right? When it yeah. happens, but I haven't seen anything like at all. Like I didn't, yeah. I admittedly didn't watch it live because I was deathly ill yesterday or the day I'm before. Certainly not like gamers to overhype themselves, is it? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, true. I guess I, I always, I never thought there'd be like something massive here, just because like obviously the 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 Scarlet Violet DLC is coming this year, right? Like, why would they do another game on top of that? Like, I feel like that sure. was always their kind of strat. But um, I thought we'd get a cool spinoff of some kind, like Pokemon Ranger yeah. or like I don't know Pokemon Dungeon, Mystery Dungeon or something. But mm. no, no, nothing. It was not to be. Um, Shannon, what do you want to see from Pokemon next? Do you have a craving for any sort of particular game or, you know, maybe something a bit more kind of like um, Arceus? I still not sure where we decided, how we decided to pronounce the name of that <laughs> I'd game. i go with Arceus, Arceus. Arceus. <laughs> even if it's not. Um, do you want to see something really more Arceus. like that or are you kind of enjoying Scarlet Violet? What are you after? Uh, the yeah, last Shannon, one I enjoyed. Scarlet and Violet. No, I didn't play Scarlet and Violet, and I just I didn't play Let's Go either. The last one I enjoyed was was Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, and I think that's because it was the OGs remade. Did they do Gold and Silver remakes? No, was I've the, always felt like that would pop. That was off like rumored to be that. next. I would right? love that. Like I'd love that in that style of more casual um, Let's Go style. Which yeah, again, that did really well, and obviously there is a a, a nostalgia nostalgic base there. Um, mm. And that I feel like maybe even more so than, than red, blue, um, green, yellow. Like, yeah, th- those next two were, were huge um, for people our age. So I think they should definitely do that. That's the only thing that I think would get me really excited. Maybe like another Pokemon Stadium, but even that, like I'd love those games back in the day with the mini games mm. and stuff. But 
yeah, for me, I, I feel like it's done. There's just too many Pokemon. I don't care for any of them outside of the original um, 151 or whatever was added in that next wave. So I, it's hard. But, yeah, I agree. Like this was like 40 minutes of, of nothing. I was flying um, and watching Twitter and it was just, yeah, awful. Like they were treating things that they'd spoken about two or three times like um, it, they were revealing it for the first time. Yeah, and it wasn't not the case. So, not so groundbreaking, sadly. <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, discuss some more interesting news, which I think, um, yeah, this what this story particularly grabbed me today. I was texting you guys about it as it kind of came out. And it's Nintendo patenting a bunch of Tears of the Kingdom mechanics. It comes two years after Nintendo about, uh, outed a bunch of Link's new abilities in Tears of the Kingdom um, early via patenting, a bit of a patenting spree that they went on in the lead up to that game coming out. Um, but even more patent filings have materialized, including Link's movement in relation to the object he's standing on, obviously playing with a lot of the physics in the game, um, and the dynamic loading screen uh, that reflects the player's change in location on the map as you fast travel. I'm sure you're all familiar with that, having played Tears of the Kingdom. Um, Brody, for to come to you first on this, what issue do you take, if any, with Nintendo registering patents or any kind of game developer registering patents for that matter? Um, yeah, look, it's, it's a tricky one. I wonder if this is why Immortals 2 got cancelled because they knew they were, would run into a legal peril <laughs> they when they inevitably <laughs> copied this stuff. Um, I'm a little bit weird about the, the copyright of like the Lynx movement stuff because I feel like that while I guess the best iteration of that mechanic. I don't know that it was necessarily the first implementation of that ever. So I don't mm. know that, that feels a bit grubby to try and just say this is ours now. So I don't know. I don't like the idea of like, like what if, you know, John Carmack or whoever made the first first person shooter, like, like put a blanket patent over that sort of thing. Like you would have no other shooters in the market. Like, so I don't know yeah. if you should just necessarily cut it off. Like, cause uh, what's what do they say? Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Like, yeah, if you do something great, then why not allow people to, you know, try it's, their hand at the same thing? The, the loading yeah. screen thing, weird as well. Like, such a yeah. Like, who cares? Like, anyway, that's Nintendo doing weird Nintendo things as they do. Yeah, I don't know, like, quite what the ramifications of like having a patent is. Like, like it gives you kind of exclusive control over it, but whether or not that people like, can then use that same software without, like yeah, licensing it out. Like, if you can get a cut from it or something, I imagine that's how it works. I'm not entirely sure, but like, I think the technical aspect of Link moving at the same time the platform, really getting to the weeds here, um, is that they kind of just like mapped the same movement of that object to link rather than like it being a physics based yeah. thing of like, oh, okay, my floor is moving. I'm attached to that. I'm moving with that. Mm. It's just the same movement is applied. So it, like if, if that's the technical specificity that this pattern extends to, I'm sure there's like a million different ways you can kind of code it in or something like there has to be, cause it's not the only game ever where like you've stood on an object and moved at the same time as that object. Um, so yeah, I really just don't quite understand what the potential ramifications of this are, but Kieran, it's not the first time we've seen patents registered. The nemesis system is the other one that I think we've spoken about on the podcast before that, um, Warner Brothers patented, um, after the Shadows of Mordor, yeah. Mordor games. Um, what are the potential ramifications of, um, these patents and yeah, do they hamstring development at all? 
Yeah, well, I mean, like, like you said, I'm not like I'm not going to pretend to know like what the actual legal ramifications or like fallout of of these kind of patents is. But like, I was watching earlier today, Digital Foundry actually put out a video uh, talking about the history and like the visuals and stuff of the order. Um, and like one of the things they brought up in that video was that Ready at Dawn pioneered a lot of visual technologies, like physically based rendering and stuff, mm. uh, in that game and. Before the game was even out, they went to like SIGGRAPH, which is like the like one of the big like tech game dev conferences, and just like showed everyone how they did everything, and that kind of like took made 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 it so that that technology kind of became widespread and is now used in like a lot of games that we play now. So like mm. it feels like that's the kind of angle that developers should be going for if they're developing these new things and being like, hey, here's a good way to do this. Here's like you know this way we found to make this easier or better for for game developers. Like I don't see why you wouldn't want to share that rather than try to protect it. Yeah. Um, so it, it feels weird. Yeah. And it feels weird as well, like Nintendo, like I understand them being protective of that kind of stuff, but at the same time, I don't I don't see why Nintendo would be worried about people making Tears of the Kingdom clones. Like I don't think I don't think anyone's gonna eat into their eat into their profits in any real fashion by like copying those mechanics. I don't think they should be that worried. Yeah. And but, I just don't, yeah. I doubt even like with the systems at play, if anyone could execute it in quite the same like level of polish that they were able to achieve with Tears of the Kingdom. Like it just works well, yeah. so well. And it's not just like one system in isolation, but like everything coming together that they pulled off so well, um, which I can imagine is a difficult thing to replicate. Um, yeah. No, it's it's like a difficult thing because video games kind of sit on this line between like art and like software or kind of technology and more of a of a product. Um, like you're not patenting anything, as far as I know, like within music. Um, you know, I guess maybe patents and stuff exist around like instruments and stuff, perhaps. But like the structure of a song and that kind of thing, you like you can't patent that i guess there's like other copyright and stuff called caught up in it or like painting i, I don't know i'm really thinking on the fly here painting, like, asking sheeran <laughs> if there's copyright in music yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all too familiar with that um but like you can't you can't like trademark or patent like painting techniques or at least not to my knowledge i don't know <laughs> james to play devil's advocate can you explain or like justify it all any of the rationale behind patenting technical mechanics such as these? Like, is it justifiable in any capacity? No, not really. I don't see. I can see, like, obviously you work on something really cool and unique and mm. you want to maybe make sure nobody else can do that. Um, but then, like, I think of, like, I, this is, like, not kind of the same, not really, but I think about, like, Warcraft 3 becoming Dota and, like, um, you know, armor becoming Day's DayZ and stuff. Like I feel like so many big games now were built on the shoulders of other games. Um mm. and and I think about like a good example is Nintendo um back in two thousand uh patented insat the insanity system from Eternal Darkness, which is like um you have like health bar, mana bar, and insanity bar, and like the more bad things happen to you, more weird shit happens to like your TV and your screen what, and what stuff. What have they done with it since? And then that's what I mean. Like, so cool. You can patent that. Like, fair enough. That's an idea, a cool idea. But then to just patent and then fucking sit on it and do nothing with it and think about like where horror is now. Um, and people probably couldn't do something like that because Nintendo, first of all, is like extremely litigious. <laughs> so like you would be scared to for, first of all, but second of all, like it just stifles creativity to a certain extent. Um, 
and by the same merit, like the Nemesis system is a really cool idea and I've always thought it's great. Um, but then the fact that it's only been in two Middle Earth games and then maybe this Wonder Woman game that's coming out, like to me, that's like such a waste. Like mm. I recognize that time and effort was put into making those systems and stuff. Um, but then why can't somebody else kind of build on that to make yeah. something good? Cause you can't, it's almost selfish and I get it. They're businesses and that's what they want. They want, they have assets and this is technically an asset, I guess, to them. Yeah. Um, but it's like, they kind of treat it like an IP almost do something with it. it. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah, you know, like, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's tough, but then, yeah, the nemesis system is the, one of the most frustrating things. Cause I think that has so much potential, um, especially with the power of next gen and stuff. Mm. Um, but then for it to be relegated to like a wonder woman game to me, I don't know. That doesn't seem like it doesn't even seem like a good fit to me. Like Middle Earth made sense with the way that the armies, armies are structured and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's a system yeah. like I would love to see Nemesis in God of War. I feel like that'd be such like a natural fit. You kind of have like you, there's so much complaints about the repeated just like any in like God Star of War, Wars. But imagine, imagine if the Star they Wars were the game. same one coming back. Like Outlaws. Yeah. Imagine if Outlaws yeah. had something like that, like with bounty hunters and all that. Even Jedi Fallen Order. Like, yeah. But they can't do anything like and, that. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, People would naturally innovate on it too, and that mean that's that's a better result for Warner Brothers down the line if somebody yeah. improves it in some way. You'd think like you would want that. Totally, totally. Um, Shannon, we are about to segue over and tackle some interesting comments made by the Take Two CEO. But sticking with Nintendo for a moment, um, and please do weigh in on all of this as well. But I'll ask you this question at the same time. He mentioned the lack of backwards compatibility on the next Switch. Um, which would, quote, break contract with players if it was absent from the, the Switch 2. How essential do you think backwards compatibility mm. is nowadays? Um, well, yeah, if you look at Nintendo consoles, you would think not at all, really. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I, for me, like, I, I would like it. Like, there's so many games, even from, like, the Wii U and, like, any Nintendo console that I would like to be able to just play. Uh, but I think we touched on this in the last few episodes that like 50% of the Switch's output from Nintendo has been like Wii U games. So I think they would definitely be in two minds. Great contract. I don't know. I don't agree with that just because of what I've just said. Like Nintendo have never done backwards compatibility that I can remember, like apart from the Game Boy, um, like they've never really taken it with you, even from like a digital purchase point of view. So it'd yeah. be more shocking if they did it well and executed it perfectly. Um than not, I think. And I feel like it's also kind of rich for him to say that when he's charging. I know we're about to talk about this, like $70 for a game that came out 13 years ago with no improvements. Um, So I wonder what contract he has with his (laughs) audiences. Yeah, we are about Um, to get to I do think, like, yeah, this is Nintendo's moment to prove themselves. Like, the Switch, and I don't even think they could get away with it from the Switch, but, like, that was probably the last time they could get away with it when now they have a proper online yeah. system. Um, digital has obviously been a big part of this of, of the Switch's life. So, yeah, I get what he's saying. Like, it wouldn't be in the best faith, but then I think Nintendo has shown time and time again, like with what we just spoke about, they don't really care too much about others. Yeah. I, I think it kind of depends a little bit on what form the next Nintendo console takes. Like if it's only if it's branded the Switch 2 or as a continuation of the Switch in any capacity, I would expect there to be 
backwards compatibility. I think that just has to be par for the course now as people build up digital libraries for games. It's um, yeah, like for too long, Nintendo have got away with repeatedly charging. It, it's hard. It's hard games. for them, right? Because they do often change up like the actual gimmick of the console. I don't absolutely negative. Yeah. Like they do tend to change it up. Um, and we saw how badly they went with the Wii U and them trying to to keep that in the Wii family, but change it up with the the gamepad. So. It's a tough one yeah, for I them, but you're sh- right. If if it is just a Switch 2, like, then that lends to this better. Yeah. If there's time and effort that has to go into, like, porting one game from one system to another because the control mechanisms have changed so much, then I think it's a, a bit more justifiable, but it still would, yeah, not obviously be my preference. Like, I want there to be as much backwards compatibility yeah. as possible, and I Definitely. think that's the pretty common consensus nowadays. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about Red Dead um, and some of the other C comments the Take Two CEO made because uh, I'm sure we might make reference back to this. Um, so, Brody, Red Dead Redemption is being re-released to the Nintendo Switch and the PS4. Just emphasize that the PS4, not the PS5. Uh, the game is coming out at fifty dollars USD, which Kieran managed to suss out before is uh, going to be seventy dollars on the Austra- Australian on the Nintendo eShop. Um, so not full price, but still a pretty sum. Um, Take Two CEO said that this was quote a commercially accurate price. What do you think is a fair price to charge for Red Dead Redemption this day and age? Uh, given that it is a fairly low effort port from all re- reports, um, I would say you're maxing out at probably thirty Free. bucks for me. Yeah, <laughs> probably maxing out about thirty bucks. Like when you consider, I think part of the controversy is that it is still like twenty five or thirty bucks on Xbox. Is that's that right. right, and and, that, yeah. and doesn't that come with like upresing and like better frame rates? So like, I don't know why you'd even bother. Oh yeah. yeah so yeah, I mean, yeah. like, um, yeah, you know, when you consider that the GDA collection, for example, which you know. Uh, it was perceivably better, whether it was literally like there was effort put in quote unquote to remaster those games to a degree, whether yeah. they were shit or not. It's not the point. <laughs> um, the fact that that came out for, well, I think a hundred bucks here, like that's probably more reasonable to me. Cause you know, there was the perceived effort again, the result was shit, but moving on. Um, yeah. So I think 70 bucks for this is fairly egregious, um, but mm. somehow it feels like peak take two to me and in how they sort of treat their IP at the minute. Yeah, I've this. I agree. This feels like the kind of game you'd think 30, 40 bucks would be kind of reasonable to, to pay. Um, and the fact that it's on PS4, like obviously, thanks to backwards compatibility, that's still playable on PS5, but it doesn't feel like it's a PS5 like remaster in any capacity. It's just kind of a straight port. Um, Very yeah, odd. So I agree. Egregious. Uh, James, what's your opinion on all this? In light, again, of his comments about the Switch 2 and kind of backwards compatibility being you know the expectation and the norm rather than the exception like is this particularly harsh to charge for a re-release uh, <laughs> um <laughs> no like i was part of me is like maybe like i know i think obviously looking at at it it doesn't look that different but like obviously um like just thinking behind the scenes like uh-huh. this is uh, Rage, which is like obviously Rockstar's engine. It's never been on Switch before. It wasn't developed in mind with the Switch. To get that shit working on Switch, like that takes time and money. Like I recognize that that might not immediately mean we're getting a, like, a, like it doesn't, like the front facing, there doesn't look like there's a lot of front facing work there, but I can respect that behind the scenes, sure. there might have been a lot of work to get that working. And obviously, yeah. in order to get in, the fact that they might have that working also might mean now 
um, you know, the, the Switch can run, say, GTA Five because it's the same engine as that, or Rockstar Table Tennis, which I know everybody wants. Um, but, like, you know, and then I can't also help but think that this is maybe them getting ready to kind of get their shit ported over to Switch 2 or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Like, obviously, from a front-facing perspective, it doesn't look like there's a lot been done, but I do recognize there probably is a lot being done behind the scenes to get this working on Switch, um, especially as a console that doesn't do open worlds like Red Dead's particularly well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like, I don't know. I can... See why people would be incensed by this. I think it's worth mentioning that a lot of people playing this were probably playing it for the first time because they are Nintendo people. So, like, we're probably the minority in this instance in that, yeah, a lot of people, I'm not saying it's right, but a lot of people are probably going to be picking this up just knowing it's a Rockstar game. Um, yeah. I think that this will also be, do it. I can see this being price pulsed around Christmas and stuff quite regularly. Like it'll still drop quite a bit for people, especially the PS4 copy. Um, mm. But I, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. And then I also, but then I think about like all of these Wii U and Wii ports that we've had on Switch that are coming out at retail seventy nine ninety five. I know that doesn't make it any better, but like that is also something that's happening. Um, yeah. Pikmin 1 and 2 is out physically next month, and that's sixty nine ninety five as well. I mean, sure, it's two games, but the breadth and the scope of those two games versus Red Dead Redemption and its expansion, obviously, are yeah. dramatically different. Um, I can I can see both sides of this for sure, and I think, like, obviously, with how much remastering and remaking is happening and how so many of them come out now at full price with enhancements, to have something like this with no enhancements definitely feels a bit naff, but, like... yeah. I do think maybe there was a bit of work to get to get this going. So yeah, and I yeah. think like in reference to the comment, like commercially accurate, like all of that is is number crunching, right? It's like okay, it's cost us X amount in work hours and salaries to produce these ports, like to make that money back with the profit on top that we want to we want to earn. Like we need to sell this many copies at this this price, and there'll be kind of you know like the the chart of. If we have it at this lower price, we might sell this many number of copies. But yeah, it's kind of like a, a trade-off and a way up that they make and they find that equilibrium point. So I guess every time it's going to produce a different price, every time it's going to be slightly different. I guess in this case, it's high. A lot of the time in Nintendo's cases, the price is quite high. But that might just be the nature of the business. I think um, it's really weird, though, overall, that this is the first game to make of this type to make it to switch like i really am surprised that gda has not made the jump yet even like yeah. GTA four five you know like i know the trilogy obviously came that, out but there's got to be some technical hurdles I'm assuming, there, surely yeah. that's yeah. i'm assuming maybe it's something to do with online or something i maybe, mean if but. if the witcher 3 can run on the switch albeit not well like it doesn't red dead i would have thought would be comfortable enough but gta i'd have thought would be doable too there's an awful lot going on within the Witch's world. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just. Maybe they figured it wasn't stuff, worthwhile if they couldn't get GTA Online working, and maybe the the system is just not strong enough to support online. I don't know. Um, Kieran, speaking of GTA though, Take Two has made a mention again of next financial year, which is ending March 2025, as being a record year for the company in terms of its predicted revenue. Um, that might well indicate that we're going to get GTA 6 sometime between March next year and then. So March 2024 to March 2025. How likely do you believe that to be? 
I, I feel like that's like I, I definitely would believe that. Like I think um I don't know if they mentioned it in this report, but last time that they said this exact thing, I think they want like were predicting an extra three billion dollars for that year versus like the previous years. So that's yeah. like a, that's that's a lot of money. That's like a GTA six release for sure. <laughs> um and now that they've said it now that they've said it again, like yeah, yeah I I definitely wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And I guess them like re-emphasizing that point might make it mean they're more confident that they're gonna land in that window which predicting they kind yeah. of like come in around the sort of lead up to the end of the year ahead of christmas we might only be a year away from gta 6 which is kind of nuts to think about anyhow i have a rapid mm. fire question for you all before we move into what the wiki modern warfare 3 was officially announced this week with a full reveal scheduled for next week i'm sure we'll talk more about it then but today i want to gauge rapid fire question will you play it Brody. Yes. James? Uh, probably not. There's too much cool shit coming out. <laughs> Mortal Kombat 1. <laughs> Had a great trailer this week, didn't it, James? It did. <laughs> Kieran? <laughs> I don't think so. Shannon? Yeah, maybe not at launch, but definitely over Christmas. I'm going to say yes, but the multiplayer, not the single player. I haven't touched it. Does it have a campaign? In a while. Do we know that? Well, yeah. I guess to. we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. What the Wiki is the Press Start Podcast Game Show, where the previous week's winner is part of a Wikipedia page for an unknown game, and we, the contestants, must guess the game. A point is awarded for each correct guess, and the round ends after a person takes home two points. Currently in the lead and sitting there strong is Brody on 22 points. Uh, four points behind, we have James and Shannon tied on 18 apiece. Kieran in third with 17 points. Me now in fourth. This is what you get missing a week. Um, with 16 points, Harry on one, and James W with nil. Uh, Shannon, as last week's winner, you are in the hosting chair today, sir. Take it away. Let's do it. The game is a 2010 action-adventure video game developed by Beanox and published by Activision. Players control four Brody. different... Jumps. Or should I count is for Brody's 17-second delay? <laughs> um, <laughs> it is. It is Spider-Man Shattered Dimension. Well done. That was... That wow. Wasn't, I didn't know if anyone would get the whole it title. It was the Beanox. Shattered well, Dimension. That was the good I have one, no memory it? of this game. It was, um, I guess, Into oh, the Spider-Verse okay. before Into the Spider-Verse. Huge. Wasn't it, if you will. Um, mm. Oh, my James, God. James, 19 points. He's off the mark. He's already <laughs> changed the order. To, he's like trying to find a, <laughs> yeah, trying to to find a sports order, game then, or something that I can't yeah. get. <laughs> the game is a 2009 action-adventure game developed by EA Redwood Shores. It was released for Windows, the PS3, and 360. It was based on a film of the same name and a sequel to another game, which was based on the film of that same name. <laughs> like the first game, this game follows a non-canon character, Dominic, who is initially the protege and underboss of the original game's protagonist. James. Yes, Charms. Is it the Godfather? It is not the Godfather. Interesting. Ewan? <laughs> Ewan. Is it is it the Godfather 2? It is the Godfather 2. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you, James. <laughs> you even said it was a sequel. Oh, dear me. Oh. <laughs> Uh, that's God. But it was a sequel that's to the movie, stuff. mate. It could have been. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Oh God! Someone All clip right. out James's reaction to it. <laughs> <laughs> the game is a 2003 action adventure game developed by the Collective and published by Lucas Arts for Xbox, PC, PlayStation Two, and Mac OS X. It is an adventure of a fictional archaeologist and the story takes place in 1935 acting as a prequel to a movie. James. I'll be impressed (laughs) if anyone gets this title. Yes, go. Is it Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis? It's not Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. I don't even know if this... Is it Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis 2? <laughs> you know. Um, I assume we're in the right. Yeah, I don't even know. Do you have movie. nothing more to read? I do. There's no other clue you could give? James, the can I go again? You can go again. Is it Indiana Jones and Curse of the Tomb? No, but mm. close. The two mm. mentioned in the title is that word. of China's first emperor. Brody. Oh. Yes, Brody. Is it Indiana Jones and the Pharaoh's tomb? <laughs> no. James, James, can I go? Ewan, Ewan. I'm queuing up. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Had you, fini- had, had you finished the paragraph? Oh, there's no, yeah, yeah. The, the two mentioned in the title is that of China's first emperor, Qin Shi Huang. Yeah, I think, she, James, I think James has we, got a, am a, I in or a not? guess. You yeah. are in. Is it Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb? <laughs> it is. <laughs> you deserve that, I feel, after dominating everything. <laughs> James actually knew the title of the Indiana Jones game besides the Lego a series. movie name so. as well? No, is that? No, no it's, it's not. not. Fate of Atlantis nice. is the Wii one. Silly. All right. <laughs> if you lost track of the points Who knows in so many round, I wouldn't Jones blame games. you. <laughs> So yeah. let me recap them for you. Brody's still in the lead, but James narrowed the gap, getting two points and winning the round and moving up to 20 points in the process. Uh, Shannon's still in third on 18, and I've uh, tied with Kieran now in fourth place on 17 points. There we go. Uh, with that, let's bring an end to what was this week's episode of the Press Up podcast. Subscribe to us on Listener or the podcast service of your choice. Follow us at Press.au and visit the site at Press.com.au. We've been joined today by Shannon. Yes, thank you. You can follow me at Shannon Grixty on the socials. Also joining us today was James. Uh, yeah, you can find me on X or Twitter at, at James, <laughs> A-T-J-A-M-Z. I'm sorry to do you dirty in what the wiki, James, ruining your it's clean fine. sweep. I'm used to people scabbing off me. It's all good. <laughs> Seemingly managing to fix his internet throughout the episode, it was Brody. Thanks. Yeah, it was a sneaky uh, Photoshop download that was happening while I didn't realize. Um, ah. You can follow me on most things at Brody underscore DG. And classy as always, it was Kieran. Thank you. <laughs> that was um, the first thing that yeah. came to mind. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yeah, just hash brown on stuff with an underscore in there somewhere. I don't even know what I use anymore. Yeah, okay. I'm, I've been your host, Ian Roxburgh. I think I'm going to pivot just to threads now. I, I wrote a message in that. 
I, tw- I was going to say I tweeted. That wouldn't be right. I threaded um, my uh, reaction to watching Talk to Me, which is a great horror movie. Highly recommend going and seeing it, but full warning, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, anyhow, you can see that thread and a bunch of others at UN underscore Roxborough. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, happy gaming. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. <laughs>